What's up, everybody? The Cincinnati Bengals aren't the only ones with new stripes. We got ourselves some new digs as well as a show. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. John, we got a new look, new sound, new, uh, I don't know. Trying, we're finally getting professional up in this mug, thanks to some others outside of me, of course. <laughs> How you doing, man? It's a it's an entirely new era. Like that logo, I have seen it since what 2016 when the show kind of came about. And you know, I, I I'm really digging the new upgrade. Big shout out to Richard Dalton. A lot of you guys know him as Dalton's signature on Twitter. He you know proposed a lot of ideas to us, and we landed on what what you're seeing right now if you're watching on youtube and what you're looking at um on cincyjungle.com so big shout out to him i think it looks great and big shout out to anthony for putting the intro together oh well, thanks yeah dalton's a man and uh we're gonna if, if you need some graphic design work he is he is the man for you for sure so hit him up for some for some work if you for your business or your nonprofit or whatever it is Hit him up for some work for sure. Great guy, great Bengals fan. Had the pleasure of meeting him in Seattle last, uh, gosh, not even last year, the year before. That's how fast time's going. Um, so great guy, and uh, you know we're, we want to support him. He did great work for us, and hopefully you enjoy what he what he put together for us. Just kind of on his own whim, you know. I kind of said, hey, you know, if you, if you get a chance, maybe maybe put something together and see what it. Uh, what comes of it. And it turned out awesome. So thank you, Dalton. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, everybody. I know we're late. We've had a lot going on today, but we've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about some Bengals headlines. I know we usually save those for Monday. We're going to talk about that. We've got a lot of free agency talk. John's going to state his case about the Cincinnati Bengals in a free agency approach. We're going to talk about a specific free agent uh, that the Bengals could target a familiar name. And then um, we've got a little fun, a, a little soundbite of the week for some fun. We haven't uh, had a soundbite of the week. We usually save those for in season, but we've got one for you. So we'll share that. But uh, John, I assume you're doing well and uh, staying warm in Ohio. We got, we finally got rain my neck of the woods. So we got some weather finally my way. Um, are you, are you, am I, am I ingrained in the Ohio culture if I get cold rain? Uh, very much so. Yes, um, <laughs> it, it it is the point of the year where it's twenty degrees in the morning and sixty degrees at the peak of day right now in Ohio. Ooh. So it's it's a lot of seasons going together. It's actually, I think, a flood warning for the Ohio River because of all the snow that melted and we had some rain uh, late last week. And but supposedly it's supposed to be dry for the foreseeable future, and hopefully a lot of stuff gets dried up. But yeah. Better, better hunker, hunker down for that L.A. rain out there. <laughs> yeah, that L.A. monsoon, for sure. Um, well, let's let's get to some small headlines first, and then we'll kind of get into some, some larger headlines. Bengals, of course, the reason why we didn't talk about this on our Monday uh, water cooler chat is because it occurred on Wednesday. So we are sharing this with you now. And um, what the Bengals – re-signed a, a reserve cornerback, Jalen Davis, John, um, you know, kind of, I don't hate to use this term, but uh, camp body, maybe a guy who got a little time towards the end of the year because of injuries, but your thoughts on the Bengals re-signing Jalen Davis. Yeah. I don't even remember when he joined the team. It was sometime in the middle of last season and he was a guy from a college in Georgia. I'm not entirely sure which college it was, but yeah, he just kind of came on when they were just going through bodies after bodies at the cornerback position because it was so banged up. He eventually got onto the field. I remember him against the Steelers in that first Steelers game, and he was just 
unfortunately abused when that their passing offense was still competent. But yeah, like he only appeared in a handful of games and obviously, you know, he didn't really belong out there against starting offenses. But yeah, like people have to remember that Bengals right now have, including Jalen Davis, like 52 players under contract. They're gonna That number is going to drop to like 49 when they cut Gino, Bobby and BJ Finney. But only like 20 rookies are coming to this team and they're only re-signing like 14 of their guys. So they, they have spots to fill out the entire roster and like, Jalen Davis, he's he's just the guy that's going to be a part of that just because he was here last year and they're probably going to lose a couple of cornerbacks in free agency. So there's, there's no harm in, in bringing him back for like a one-year deal. Um, He was an exclusive rights free agent and right. I'm not entirely sure if they tendered him with that or if they just declined his tender and just re-signed him to like a vet minimum type deal. Regardless what it is, it's a little bit less than a million for him because he's just he's Jalen Davis and uh, that's, that's just all it is. It's just depth. Yeah, and at this point, it's kind of like, why not? And you know, it's not going to be a big cap hit or anything like that. It's um, someone they had on the roster last year. Depth obviously is something that uh, they want to have control, uh, more control over in the defensive side of the ball. That they got absolutely just, you know, <laughs> whatever fleeced by injury. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, so they they signed Jalen Davis, bring him back on a one year deal. He's going to be sticking around with the Cincinnati Bengals, so he'll be he'll be working for a spot on the roster. We'll see what happens going forward there. The other oh, big you played Utah State. My bad. I don't know why I said Georgia. You played Utah State. Sorry. Yeah, Utah, Utah State. Yeah. Um, the other uh, piece of news here: the Cincinnati Bengals have re-signed Clark Harris. Now, this one, you know, it makes. I'm glad about it. It makes a lot of sense. But this one, you know, um, they had signed another long snapper earlier this year to a, you know, a, a high contract that for, for that position and whatnot. And you kind of are saying, wow, Clark Harris up there in years, is he, are they going to be moving on from him? But the Bengals stick with him. They kind of keep, you know, Darren Simmons likes to keep a, a battery intact, so to speak. So, you know, um, that's one of the the key pieces for the Cincinnati Bengals to be to be kept here. So Clark Harris, he did make a Pro Bowl, is going to stick around with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And if you get if you all remember last time he signed a contract, it was a three year deal. Uh, I believe he signed it in 2018 as like an extension. And that's when he was like 34, 33 years old. He's 30. He's going to be 37 this year. And this is just a one year deal. So, I mean, who knows how long? He will continue to, to, to go in, in a Bengals uniform. Um, there, was a, there was an interview with Paul Denner Jr. on The Athletic about how he's saying like he wants to be like the oldest player in the NFL. And at, at this point, you know, he's 37. He's played 13 years, or he's going to play 13 years for the Bengals. He's yet to have like a bad snap for what I remember. It's like 1,700 consecutive uh, playable long snaps. So if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Darren Simmons is still here. He kn- knows him. He obviously knows Kevin Huber. They, they've worked together for a decade you know, it, it won't again, it won't cost that much. His cap it will probably be around a million, which is what it was last year. Might as well. Dan Godsell, the other long snapper that you mentioned, he signed a like a futures deal, which is like it'll it'll come into effect when the league year starts on St. Patrick's Day. And he had like one of the largest signing bonuses, I guess, for anyone who signed a futures deal this offseason. So maybe that was an indication that they're going to at least keep him around for the offseason, which is what they've done in, I think, the last year or two when whenever he's been in the league. It's just a guy that basically kept Clark Harris rested during the preseason and right. training camp. So he doesn't, doesn't overwork his snaps quotation marks. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I'm assuming both those guys will be around, but I, they obviously trust Harris a lot. And if Harris wants to continue coming back here, that door is always going to be open. Well, you mentioned it a little bit, and Jay Morrison may be the guy who jinxed Clark <laughs> Harris going forward here. Long snappers don't have much in the way of stats, but the one that counts has reached an epic level for Harris, 1,699 consecutive deep snaps without an unplayable delivery. Well, thank you, Jay. You just jinxed Clark Harris. Just kidding, Jay. You're great at what you do, and we love you. But, um, you know, that's that's got bad juju written all over it. But, look, I mean, if you remember – before Clark Harris, there was the whole Brad St. Louis debacle where Brad St. Louis was a very reliable guy for a long time. And then there was just a stretch where it was unbelievable where he got into his own head or something and he could not snap the ball with any success on long snaps. And then along comes Clark Harris to steady the special teams unit. So, um, you know, he's he's been kind of a godsend. And, and thank you for mentioning Dan Godsell. That was the the name I was thinking of in the futures contract there. The Bengals paid him a lot of money on that futures contract. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it was. A, so I guess in that respect, it was a little bit of a surprise. But Bengals re-sign Clark Harris. One quick thing that I noticed before we took the air, John, I may spring you with a surprise here. This is courtesy of a friend of the show from All Bengals, Nicole Zembrot. She was on one of our pregame shows last year. She's relaying that Michael Jordan has been working with Willie Anderson. Um, Willie Anderson, obviously doing the coaching and training side of things, working with a lot of high school athletes, a lot of college athletes. But the fact that he is working with Mike Jordan is probably music to a lot of people's ears. So thank you to Nicole Zembrot for uh, relaying this. This was off of Michael Jordan's Instagram page. Uh, we'll see what this, what, how this pays off here. Um, you know, Willie Anderson has some ties to obviously the Bengals and he was working with another young man, I think who's headed to Ohio state, a top recruit. So he's got some Ohio state ties too, John, but um, you know, brief little snippet, but I think this is kind of encouraging based on the, the needed development by Michael Jordan in whatever capacity plans they have for him next year. To Jordan's credit, he just turned 23, which is actually younger than some offensive line prospects in this draft, which is like it, it's that's the intrigue for someone who's 21 when they come out of college is that they're still young and moldable and there's presumably a lot of development left on their path. And it's good that Jordan is continuing to to, to seek uh, uh, ec- extra help in the form of you know one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever played for the Bengals. So that's obviously a good sign. Um, but also back to Harris real quick. It's hard to really compliment long, long snappers without also jinxing them <laughs> in, in essence. But yeah, um, it's good to see Harris back. And I'm, I'm assuming that Jordan is, is going to be back in the fold as well, uh, whether that's in, in a position where he can compete for a starting job or just just to be a versatile backup. You know, it's good to see that he's he's still wanting to get better and still trying to, to prove to be valuable on this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of negative comments about Michael Jordan, but Hey, I mean, I know, I know he has struggled. I know he was part of an issue of, you know, a major injury to, to Joe Burrow last year, but I mean, he's working at his craft. You got to give him credit and he's doing what he's can doing what he can and is working with one of the greatest offensive linemen to not only play in the, for the Bengals, but in the league. So, um, you know, this is, this is a hall of fame caliber player, a uh, former player that he is working with. So hopefully that pays dividends for him. Couldn't hurt for sure. Let's get to kind of the big news, John. And there are mixed opinions on this one. The Bengals brought in, I guess, mixed opinion, I should say, with if the Bengals end up pursuing a contract and signing this player. Um, 
Ricardo Allen, a defensive back, kind of a, a Swiss Army knife kind of defensive back, if you will, um, has played some safety, has played some slot corner. He's had some ups and downs. There's been – it seems that he's a better safety than he is a slot corner. Um, your your impressions on this move or this uh, – the, the Bengals bringing him in for a visit, I know there's an obvious connection with Lou Anarumo, which you were one of a few to point that out. Well, it makes sense why he's considered a better free safety in the slot corner because he's barely played slot corner. Like the majority of his career, he's just been like a, a deep half or, or a true center field deep safety at 5'10", 5'9", 186 pounds. Like that's where Atlanta saw best fit to to have him for the past six or seven years now. Um, but yeah, like the connection with Anarumo, he was drafted out of Purdue. So he played um, his first two years out of Purdue and was recruited when Lou Anarumo was still the defensive back secondaries coach for Purdue before Anarumo left that position for the Miami Dolphins in 2012. So obviously there's familiarity with with Allen back to his high school and then his early college days. And in college, he was more more or less an all-purpose defensive back. You know, he wasn't specifically a safety or cornerback. He was just a guy that, that kind of played wherever he needed to because – you know, it's it's college, and when if you're if you're that small and you need to make an impact, you're just you just play wherever you need to. Um, I think he finished his Purdue career at cornerback, so like that that's an angle, right? You you have that versatility from back in the day where you played under a guy, so you know like the same verbiage and the communication and all that stuff. So that's an angle with Anarumo as well. And I think in terms of what it means for the Bengals, I guess like for one, the the backup for, to Jesse Bates at free safety is probably not on the roster right now. Like Brandon Wilson is a candidate to be resigned, but he's not really a free safety. He's a guy that has played mostly in the box or maybe in the slot. And uh, the only other guy that's really on the ro- that was on the roster last year is Trayvon Henderson. If you guys don't remember who that is, I don't really blame you. You know, he hasn't really played it at all. So they don't really have a lot of depth behind their best player on defense. And Ricardo Allen, who's going to be like 30 in December, who's coming off of, I think, the biggest contract of his year, which is why he was released by the Falcons. It, it makes sense to bring him in as as a depth option there that has familiarity in uh, under Anarumo and what Anarumo would probably ask him to do. And he knows that he has the capability to line up all, on different places in the secondary. So if that's the case, if that's what this is, as just a guy that fills out the roster, fills out what could be the 53 man roster as a guy who can back up free safety and maybe play a cornerback in a pinch. That's fine. If that's, if that's what it all is, but you know, I, I think that's what we should just hold our expectations to right now and not, I guess, think of it as something bigger than what it probably is. Yeah, in seven years, 11 interceptions, over 77 games. He's had a couple of injury issues, um, not overly big, 5'9", 186, especially if you're kind of playing playing safety. But, um, you know, I guess, John, my, my thing with it is if this is a depth signing, if this is a rotational guy, a guy that you can get on a, you know, a manageable contract, and you can kind of move them around to different places on the defense, kind of like what we had thought maybe was going to happen with some of the safeties last year when you got that trio of Sean Williams, Von Bell, and Jesse Bates. You thought there'd be more movement around with those guys. Maybe that's the plan here with with Allen. If, if that's the case, I'm I'm fine with it, especially if the, if the Bengals end up bringing back a Brandon Wilson for the kick return duties and, and whatnot. I'm fine with that. If it's more for a replacement for Mackenzie Alexander as a slot corner, I'm pretty uneasy with that. And it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Like to go from Douglas Denard to Mackenzie Alexander 
to then Ricardo Allen in like a three year span. That's just like a clear like <laughs> downward progression in terms of effectiveness in that spot. Like I, I think back to last year, you know, the Bengals made like eight unrestricted free agent signings. One of them was like LaShawn Sims, who I, I think I think if Ricardo Allen is like the LaShawn Sims of their free agency class for this year, I think I think you're okay with that because LaShawn Sims was just a backup special team right cornerback that wasn't counted on to play a lot, at least going into the season, but then unfortunately had to play a lot and he got exposed because of that. I think you're more confident in Ricardo Allen being a spot starter out of place where he is competent, has shown to be competent in his six or seven years in the NFL. But yeah, you're right. If, if they ask him to be a starter in a play position that he hasn't played in since college, really, they're just kind of outbidding themselves, I guess. They're, no one is really expecting Ricardo Allen to you know, completely transform his career when he's about to turn 30. So if that's the Bengals plan, you're right. It's it's not a good one. But I think we could just got to see if this, it's, we have to see if this actually happens, like if he actually joins the team and we'll get we'll obviously get a sense of it, what they're expecting out of him um, once we see the contract details, if that ever happens. Yeah. And the the other uh, facet to it, I, I wish we kind of had a conversation about this with Andre Parada when he was on the show recently. But um, I, the compensatory pick thing, you know, the fact that these players are released they're released by a team and not just hitting a free market and signing somewhere on their own volition type of thing. You know I mean? Everybody signs somewhere on their own volition when they sign a contract. But what I'm saying is when you're, when you're released out of a contract rather than hitting free agency on your own, that doesn't affect the compensatory pick formula, which, you know, that's the Bengals love those compensatory picks. And I think also the fact that they invested heavily in free agency last year outside free agency, they want to maybe balance those scales at least a little bit. And it sounds like, John, um, I guess transitioning a little bit out of the Ricardo Allen conversation, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit of a bloodbath in terms of NFL veterans getting released to, to you know, preface free agency. It just seems like there's going to be a lot of big names out there. I think what was it? Gabe Jackson was released. Um, you know, you're just trying to offload some of these, these contracts that they're, that they've paid a lot of money to or owe a lot of money to and the Bengals could reap some benefits there. Yeah. And I think in regards to the compensatory pick conversation, like if the Bengals are worried about compensatory picks, then that probably means they're not going to sign deals that would offset them from getting that. Because like they obviously didn't care about it last year when they signed DJ Reader and, and Trey Wayne's, to those large deals and they didn't really have anybody of notoriety leave the team for a big deal. So they weren't really getting anything back in return. Um, so I, I think in, in regards to the interest in street free agents, it's more about just potentially getting value for guys and value for, for known commodities. Whereas if you, you know, if you sign unrestricted free agents, typically you're, you're getting guys that are trying to maximize their value and maybe getting into their first or their, their first um, non rookie, or, or first veteran contract, excuse me, and they're, they're trying to maximize their monetary value, and you're not really getting the max value, I guess, for what that player's skill set is if you're, I guess, overpaying and outbidding teams. In regards to these street free agents who were released off of whatever salaries they were getting paid, they're not going to get paid, obviously, as much as they were from their former teams. So you're kind of buying low on guys that could still bring value to them, and I think that's exactly what Allen is, and I think the Bengals are going to make a handful of these signings where they're going to get some guys on the cheap that have been you know, known commodities in this league, whether or not they're starters or not, it's it's all irrelevant if you, as long as you fill out the roster in the ways that you should. Yep, yep, and uh, that's these these guys may you know some of these guys who may be released may be playing into 
the the Bengals' hands with this compensatory pick formula and and just you know being able to upgrade their upgrade their roster with some talent that uh, they can get cheaper than they maybe thought they could. So, uh, you know, I guess good news for the Cincinnati Bengals is they look to improve themselves via free agency. I've got my free agency hat on now, John. There's a lot of comments <laughs> about my hair and all kinds of stuff, and I messed it up by scratching my head. So I'm, I'm putting on the free agency hat now. I'm getting uh, <laughs> I'm getting not fancy. Everybody was, everybody was saying, where's the hat? Is this the first show you've done without a hat? No, it's not, but I put a hat back on. So like, like not, not only is it crazy that we consistently talk about your headwear, but like on a, on a weekly basis on the show, but it's crazy how you get a lot of hate for wearing hats. And as soon as you don't wear a hat, questions start arising about why you aren't wearing a hat. Like I, I, I'm just I'm a little confused. I, I don't, I, I'm a little confused uh, as well, especially with the comment from TB83 and Twitter saying upgrade with higher football IQ. So um, I don't know if that was directed to us or upgrade the roster, meaning upgrade the roster with higher football IQ with players, but uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that was directed to, but uh, that's, that's the, the joy of the live chat, my friend. You oh, get, he's you, back. He's backpedaling. He's singing, he's singing oh, the roster. roster. Okay, good. Well, we all know my football IQ is low anyway. So anyway, uh, we're going to get to state your case, which is going to be John's floor here this week. Before we do, just want to remind everybody to get the show how you can. You can you can click that new looking logo right below John's uh, shoulder there. You can click that to subscribe to our YouTube channel or get all of our stuff on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, cincyjungle.com. If you if you can't join us live for this show, our listener questions live that we do on Fridays, or our uh, news, news show that we do on Monday, news headline show, get the show on your favorite audio streamer, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, remember, on Stitcher, click the Cincy Jungle stream, not the OBI stream. That's uh, That one's not being updated for some reason. So make sure you're on the Cincy Jungle stream. Get get it on any of your favorite audio platforms and don't forget also to check out ace and zim on their show orange is the new black part of the cincy jungle podcast channel and of course matt minnick's chalk talk where his videos are on our youtube channel and of course his podcast interviews are on the audio streamers too so anthony as you mentioned earlier um gabe jackson just got released by the las vegas raiders that was a heavily speculated cap casualty for this offseason i think the raiders they're going to save around nine and a half million for doing that. Hey, Jackson is 29 years old. He's going to be 30 entering the season and he's been a pretty solid player. And we're already getting questions about, you know, should, are, should the Bengals be interested or should they sign Gabe, Gabe Jackson? Yeah, they should be interested. He would be an upgrade over what the Bengals have at the guard spot on this roster. And that kind of kind of leads into what the state your case is. Cause I want to take us back to last year. Whereas we heard rumors about the Bengals being more active in free agency but we weren't exactly sure what that was going to look like, or were they going to be active relative to their standards, or are they going to be active relative to other aggressive teams in the, in the league? You know, that's, that's just a formula. It's just a, a methodology that they typically avoided. You know, we, we, we weren't sure what to expect when we were hearing things that we've never really heard before. And all of a sudden they went out and they, they, they missed on Joe Sherbert or they, they were just outbid. They, they didn't want to, you know, up the ante with that. And then they went out and got DJ rear and then like 30 minutes later, they announced that they signed Trey Wayne's and both those contracts like they exceeded almost a hundred million in total value uh, three, four years, three years, like the biggest deals that we'd ever seen from them. And there's a lot of praise of DJ reader. And there was some questions with Trey Wayne's about should, should the Bengals be doing this? And I remember 
like like the discourse with the Wayne signing was that like yeah it's, it's a lot of money and, and like it's it's sending a statement that the Bengals are actually you know targeting a, a known name for real money and like that's I guess progress in, in, in a vacuum but is it really that smart to invest a lot of money in Trey Wayne's in that contract and that's been debated for for months now on this on this program but it, it last year it seemed like the expectation was that or just going above and beyond the expectation was the Bengals spending money period. It was making an effort to go out and get guys that were going to be highly touted on the market or just making a statement by just opening up the checkbook and showing that you care. Now that was last year. And it was the first time they ever did it this year. Like we've talked about, you know, they're in a position to do that again. They're they have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of room to spend a lot of year one cash to go out and be aggressive in free agency and get basically whoever they want. But in my opinion, it really shouldn't be about how much they spend now. They should be more judged, more harshly judged on the quality of players that they bring in. Because at the end of the day, like adding DJ Reader and Trey Waynes and Von Bell as your as your three biggest free agent signings, like on paper, they were impactful. You know, going into the season, they were going to be they were all three going to be starters. They were going to be quality starters at the very least, and they were going to improve the defense. But you know, Trey Waynes was he. Uh, like anything more than a marginal upgrade over Drake or Patrick, if he played, we don't know. He, he never really did play. DJ Reader played five games, and even still, as good of a player he is, he plays a kind of a low impact position in terms of what matters on defense. And Von Bell ended up being the best signing. And again, he's just a, a box safety that doesn't really cover that well. So while they were, you know, known names for a lot of money, you know, there's debates about whether that money would have been better spent at other. Uh, other positions that are the more valuable positions or more valuable players. So while they have more money to spend this time, or they have just as much money to spend this time, and they should have just as much desire to spend, I think we as you know writers and uh, analysts of the team should be more judge judgment judgmental about the quality of players that they sign. It's not necessarily about the quantity or the, the or the total cash that they bring in or, or that they invest. That that's not an effective statement anymore. I don't think it's about making legitimate improvements to the roster and using that cap space wisely. It's not just about utilizing all the cap space. That's never what it's been about with the Bengals. It's not about just spending all the money that you have. It's about actually spending it wisely and taking advantage of whatever space that you have. So in year two, in this new age of Bengals football, it's, it should really be more about quality over quantity. Last year was a little bit of both. Last year was quality and quantity. I know, I know, it didn't work out because of injuries with Waynes and Reader and whatnot. Um, but they, I mean, they they went out and they they were aggressive. They were one of the most aggressive teams in in the league um, with outside free agency and adding some some quality talent. I agree with you. I think I think you can kind of take care of a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, ancillary stuff with some interior free agents with some guys in the draft. I think you can do a lot of that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I I think that. This is a year, aside from quality, this is a year to get quality at positions that you've neglected at a, for a long time. Offensive guard, you've neglected offensive guard. You've gone middle rounds in the draft, late rounds in the draft, undrafted free agents. That's who you've put out there. And in recent years, it has not been the greatest results. Now, I know we had Mike, we showed Mike Jordan um, a few minutes ago working out. So hopefully he can rise to the occasion, but this is obviously a year where a Brandon Scherf, a Joe Tooney, maybe a Gabe Jackson, um, you know, some of these guys can come in and that is a quality signing at a position that they have neglected for, for a while. They tried to do it 
uh, last year at linebacker. So maybe that's a sign of, of things changing. Um, maybe it's, it's, I saw somebody, uh, there was a simulation, I think. So I saw a picture of it. I don't know if it was Madden or whatever, but the Bengals get going after Johnu Smith, the tight end, the, the, uh, an exciting tight end, a position group that they have kind of, you know, CJ Uzama, I like him. He, he got hurt last year and behind him are kind of some question marks. Drew Sample had a nice end of the year, but you know, you can get a high end pass catching talent. Maybe that's that ends up being Kyle Pitts in the draft. I don't know. But what I'm saying is the quality aspect also, in my opinion, needs to be at some position groups that they've seemed to devalue, whereas the rest of the league or a lot of the successful teams in the league have have valued those positions. Going back to to, to Gabe Jackson, like he's just one example of just quality players, maybe not compared to like the guys who are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents, but but guys that do belong on rosters and you know deserve at least somewhat you know sizable deals or just like a, a deal that's reflective of a guy that can still start in the league. Like he's just going to be one of of several around the league that are going to be released at, at positions that the Bengals should be interested in. And if that's the if that's the way that they want to handle this, if they want to take advantage of a lot of quality players being released for for cap purposes and getting them on the cheap and filling out roster holes before the draft, if that's the way they want to approach it, I think that's fine. Like, obviously, we, we would we would want them to go out and get a high-quality player for a, a pretty penny, like a Joe Tunu or Brandon Scherf. But if, if they decide to attack the offensive line with getting quality players that are available for cheaper than than they were last year, I think that's I think that's still fine. Even if you're not spending, like, the DJ Reader or the Trey Wayne's type of cash, like, if, if that... if as long as you're getting good players, like there's more than one ways to do that. And if the Bengals wait this out and they just, and they see who else gets added to the market in a case like, like if you sign Gabe Jackson and pencil him in as, as your starter right guard, that's already an improvement at that position. Now it's relative to what they have and they shouldn't be done at that position, but it, it, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And it's one that they should be feel comfortable taking because it's not going to be that expensive, you know, like, how much are they going to go out of the, out of their comfort zone? That's that's yet to be seen. It's possible, but it, it, it is. We still need to see it in order to fully one hundred percent believe it. And if and if there are multiple Gabe Jackson type signings on this team that just fill out the roster where you're not backing yourself into a hole in the draft, I think that's fine and commendable, even if you're not spending a lot or most of the cap space that you have. Yeah, I saw a flip side of the argument saying, you know, there's there are so many holes on the roster, so maybe quantity is a better better route to take here. But I I just it's it's the same thing that they've done in the draft. They've hoarded draft picks, and instead of using those to move up in a lot of different cases for what seems to be and who usually ends up to be a quality player, they they hoard picks just to kind of have them. And they end up using picks on players that end up not making anywhere near the impact as some of these other players that they could have by packaging those and moving up. So I think from a free agency standpoint, I'm seeing some people saying, you know, oh, we're fine at tight end. Okay, fine. Well, tight end still, it's a weapon. That's if we're fine at tight end, then why are we having the Kyle Pitts discussion as well? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, but my, my point is again, it's not just spending big ticket, money it's also spending big ticket free agent money on on players that they haven't really done so or at least not for a while maybe even wide receivers in that discussion they spent a lot on Lavernius Coles they spent a lot on Antonio Bryant but since then free agency at wide receiver because they drafted well for a couple of years but 
free agency of wide receiver has been pretty slim. Brandon LaFell was the last one and he wasn't that expensive. So maybe this year, if there is a Kenny Galladay, if there is a Godwin, if there is someone out there, maybe that's something they look at doing as well to help them open up the draft. Exactly. And, you know, there are, again, there are multiple ways to do this, but it really does depend on, you know, who they take care of in, in house first. Like we, we talked about it. If they don't sign, if they don't come to an agreement on Carlos and if they have to franchise tag him or, or, or worse, like if they just let him go, like it, that that's a, that's a huge need that they're not going to have, they're not going to be able to, to afford to wait until the draft to fill. Like if, if they're planning on investing money in a certain position group and it doesn't work out, like, that money's probably not going to be just be sat on and just say, you just give up and throw the white flag. Like it's going to be invested into a place that maybe they weren't expecting before. And in, in the wide receiver market, it's another great example. Like that, that's a market that's going to be extremely saturated and it's only going to grow. Like I think golden Tate was just added, added to it when the giants released him um, a couple hours before this podcast started. Like it, it's, it's a very saturated market. There's not going to, there's obviously the great guys are going to get paid, but everyone else below that tier, like they're just going to be competing with other uh, on these offers. And, you know, th- that's what happens when there's an, an increase in supply and the demand just, just kind of stays the same. The price just goes down. And that's what's, that's what's going to be for some of these guys. I think Tyrell Williams was just signed by the Lions for like six million. So that means Marvin Jones is going to be on the market. So he's going to be looking for a payday. But like that market in itself is going to be really saturated. And it, it could be the same for the for offensive linemen. Like there could be more Gabe Jackson's on the way they are going to be available. And the Bengals are going to have options outside of like the top four that we've really been discussing. You've mentioned Gabe Jackson's name a couple of times. I mean, is that when you say quality, what, what, I guess, what's the threshold level maybe that you're, that you're thinking at? I mean, I know there's a lot of different positions and all that kind of stuff, but what's kind of, what's kind of the threshold there in terms of quote unquote quality? I suppose it, de- I mean, it definitely depends on the contract. Um, like Gabe Jackson at this point shouldn't, should not be given more than like a two year deal with like the second year being like voidable, but you know, something that a contract that reflects that he's has a good chance of starting and like that, that, that really does change the whole perception. Like how much is the player getting paid? Like Xavier Suofilo in a vacuum is a fine player to add, but if you're signing him to three years and for the Bengals standards, giving him money that indicates that he's like an unquestioned starter, then that deal kind of gets painted in a, in a wrong light, but like a Josh Bynes, for example, like one year, one and a half million, just pencil him in as a starter and he could still play. Like you feel a lot better about that. So I, I guess so, something, I, I think Gabe Jackson still is at the threshold of being a starting caliber player, but just not a guy that he used that he once was. And if he was still that player, then the Raiders probably would have kept him right. They made a decision to let go of him to, to save 10 million in cap space because they needed the cap space, but also he's just not the same player that he once was. But that player that he once was was really good, and it was one of the more underrated guards in the league. At this point, he's just he's just a good player. He's just a decent player, and that's still something that the Bengals should value, if not to be an unquestioned starter as a guy that they can bring in and compete for, for a starting job, maybe with a draft pick, maybe with another free agent that they do sign. So I think Gabe Jackson, anything below that, that level is something that the Bengals should probably steer away from. But like Gabe Jackson seems like like the bar to meet for a guy that would be considered a quality signing for the right price. Well, your case that you are stating this week, John is quality over quantity in free agency. And I think that, I mean, hard to argue with that really, really hard to argue with that. I, I, I know there is an argument, but I just, I don't think it's a very strong one against that. And I think the Bengals 
I, I think too, it would also show some gravitas behind the article that Elizabeth Blackburn put out on bangles.com. It would show that the Bengals really are serious in turning things around and, and doing some things with Joe Burrow on a rookie contract, by spending a lot of money on quality players two years in a row. Yeah. Like the, the path is there. And I think last year showed us a lot that they're committed to it. And it's really just about following that up. And it's, it's continuing to learn from mistakes as well, like to, to uh, maybe avoid certain type of some certain type of pl- player prototypes or player arch- archetypes, if you will, you know, avoid players that at certain age ranges, like avoid players with injury backgrounds and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, it's okay to make some mistakes. If you have this cap space to work with, it's just about not repeating those mistakes and obviously not reverting back to your old ways, because that's kind of how you get got in this position in the first place. Yep. So that's this week. That's that's this week. State your case, John Sheeran, going quality over quantity and free agency, and I, I can't find it in me to to argue against him. Good stuff, John. And uh, we've got a little more to get to here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Again, if you're new here, join us live for every show. We stream live on our YouTube channel as well as on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Uh, well, we also stream live on Cincy Jungle's Twitter and our Twitter handle. So go follow those and join us live if you can. Otherwise. Go download the show after the fact on your favorite audio podcast streamer, whether it's this show or the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. We've been, uh, we're, we're going to probably need to start transitioning into prospect profiles in a little bit, but yeah, we've got a couple more here, a couple more weeks at least for free agency. And uh, so we're going to, we're going to tease you with a couple more players going forward on free agency. I think the last one we did, we talked so much free agency last week. It was kind of like John and I did like four each with, with Andre. Um, But this week we're going to talk about a familiar name, John, and it's Shaq Barrett, a guy who the Bengals courted uh, in in Zach Taylor's first offseason, a guy that they were poised to give a, a pretty lucrative two-year contract after becoming a free agent from the Denver Broncos, a guy that, you know, with the Broncos was a pretty effective edge rusher. Something happened. We talked about it on this show. We talked about it on, you know, at, at length. And the Bengals felt, for some reason, that Shaq Barrett had a shoulder issue. And for some reason, pulled the contract. And when they pulled the contract, Tampa Bay swooped in, grabbed him, and all of a sudden, Shaq Barrett has been one of the best defensive players in the league. Now, when the Bengals were going to sign him, uh, which is now going on three off seasons ago, um, he was he was a nice player. He was a good player, maybe a rotational player at the time, could ascend to a starting player. Um, and we'll talk some stats in a, in a bit. But I mean, with the Denver Broncos in five seasons, never amassed more than five and a half sacks. Um, or or twelve quarterback hits in a season, and these are these are years where he's playing um, in in three of the five years he played in sixteen games. Another he played thirteen. I think he missed his rookie year with an injury there. So um, you know, in four of the years he played substantial amount of games and really didn't explode with the type of numbers that we've seen here as 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 a buccaneer. And what we do know is this guy was an absolute animal. In the Super Bowl, we also know that he had some big, big stats over the last two seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John played 16 games in the regular season, 
in 19 and 15 this year, started all of them. 19 and a half, league leading, 19 and a half sacks in 2019, another eight this year. In 2019, John, 37 quarterback hits. Um, just always, always around the football. Six forced fumbles, two passes defended in, in 2019, and another two forced fumbles. So the production fell off a little bit this past year, but still an absolute force of, of a player. And the Bengals need edge rush help. The Bengals need edge rush, edge rush help, and he's a guy who can come in. Now, there are a lot of different variables here, John. Number one, will the Bengals be interested again two years down the road? Number two, will he be interested back with the Bengals after this odd situation that he he took them to task on Radio Row, quote-unquote Radio Row, before the Super Bowl? He took them to task, you know, basically airing some dirty laundry about what happened there, and he didn't really understand it. Um, so is he even going to want to come back to Cincinnati? Are the Bengals going to pay him? And the big question, too, for me, John, aside from is Shaq Bear going to even want to come back to Cincinnati after what transpired, the biggest question to me is – which which kind of Shaq Barrett are you getting? Because now he's he's entering his uh, eighth season, and it seems as if he he at least entered his prime in 2019 as an NFL player. I I don't know that getting that type of production should be expected again, especially the 2019 production. That's just kind of astronomical, but. I don't know. Are, are we now looking at those two years where his peak and now we're starting to look at the downside of his career? Or is this still a guy that can give you two or three really productive years? I will say this, like when the Bengals were eyeing Shaq Barrett in 2019, they were playing the game perfectly because while Shaq Barrett didn't have the volume traditional stats that you would look for in a starting quality edge rusher, you have to remember like he was playing behind both Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware at the time for the Denver Broncos. And I think uh, his last year is when uh, the Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb and he kind of ascended as like a, a start, a stud rookie in that defense. So Barry was kind of getting like, as like being like the odd man out in that group. And that's ultimately why Denver decided to move on. He wanted to move on to greener pastures, but even if he didn't have that, that volume production, like PFF, they, they never graded him below a 72 or 71 and a half as a pass rusher in his time in Denver. So like he was still winning as a pass rusher and getting, you know, a decent amount of pressures for just how little he rushed the passer. Like he never rushed the passer more than 324 times in a season before he left Denver. And then obviously in Tampa, he's rushed the passer over a thousand times in two seasons. And you're seeing that production obviously tick up, but the pass rushing grade, like 82 in 2019 and 78 in, in 2020 like it's not that far off from his best days in denver so the Bengals sought extreme value in a guy that would probably produce a lot more if he were given more opportunities and he obviously would have been given a lot of opportunities the last two years because the Bengals just haven't had a lot of help at head rusher in since 2019 so the Bengals played it perfectly all they had to do was just not screw up the medical and that's exactly what they did so now you're getting shaq barrett who i think is 28 he just turned 28 Back in November, like you said, he's entering his eighth year in, in his season, in his career. Like he's at his prime right now. He, like whatever you're getting, Shaq Barrett, you're not you you wouldn't be gaining any surplus in value in giving him whatever de- massive deal that he's obviously seeking. And I think it, it works in the Bengals' favor when the fact that he might be available because I think the the, the Buccaneers are going to franchise tag Chris oh. Godwin and they're not going to tag Barrett again, so they would have to sign him to this mega deal. And I don't know if they're really committed to doing that after 
you know, seeing what he did and the fact that he, they, they might not get anything more out of him than what they already did. But I, I don't think the Bengals are necessarily going to be interested in, the, in that price, especially if they're paying Carl Lawson either the franchise tag or giving him a, a multi-year deal. And obviously they wouldn't consider Barrett if they, you know, lock in Carl Lawson for the foreseeable future. But I think they're interested in, in gaining value in Barrett now. And now that he is what he is, I, I'm not sure if it's really on the table because they're, that would just require a contract that they've never really given out before. And you would have to expect the same production in Tampa Bay. And I'm, I'm not even sure if it's replicable anymore. I, I don't, I don't know that it is either. And the Carl Lawson thing is another, you know, factor in, in all of this. I would like to think that if the Bengals hang on to Carl Lawson, whether it's with the franchise tag or multi-year deal, whatever, I would like to think that the Bengals will still add other pass rushers, whether that's in the draft or, or in free agency, even if it's a rotational, I mean, they they need, they need to get after the quarterback. They need to get after the quarterback that, that much is apparent. I know they had injuries up front. Um, And, you know, some of these teams that have multiple edge rushers, multiple guys who can get after the passer. I mean, you saw Arizona, they have Chandler Jones and then they just added JJ Watt. Now who knows how much JJ Watt has left in the tank at this point, but I mean, that's, those are two guys that can rush the passer and, and they saw the value of paying a lot of money to two guys to get after the passer off the edge and move JJ Watt around and all of that. So I, I guess, you know, the Carl Lawson thing plays into what you could do with a Shaq Barrett type of thing, but I, I still think the Bengals need multiple pass rushers in um, potentially, potentially in free agency. And I think that this, I think this signing would be one of those things to play into your, state your case about quality. You know, this is, this is a quality player. He he may, he may start to hit his thirties and, you know, all of a sudden be a different football player. But uh, this is, this is a guy I think could be a quality quality get for the Bengals. Basically this plays into the, the quality versus quantity aspect of, of the free agency state your case segment that you talked about. Right. And to your point, like they're obviously going to be interested in pastros. I think that's very evident at this point. Like it's, stopping the pass rush from the opposition increasing the pass rush on their own end like Barrett is obviously a guy that they should be interested in like if the Bengals are going to be interested in Joe Tooney as like a high-end offensive lineman like Barrett would make sense the high-end pass rusher like it's tough because when you when you stink at that area it it doesn't it's not cheap to fix it's not cheap to really turn around immediately like you have to stick your toes into the deep end sometimes if you want immediate improvement and you have to think from their point of point of view Luna Rumo is very much on the clock like it's really now or never to really get that kind of back on track and like Shaq Bear would would do immense work in helping that but it would require a transaction that they've never really done before at that position and like DJ Reader is a huge contract but that was only 16 million in full guarantees and like 20 in practical guarantees like Shaq Barrett's getting a lot more real money than that at, at this point because he, he just plays a more valuable position and he's honestly just a better player. So, like, the emphasis obviously is going to be getting production that Shaq Barrett would get you, but unfortunately, it's just not pass rushers are not cheap and it's very, very not cheap business. Right. And I mean, Cleveland was supposedly in the market for J.J. Watt opposite Miles Garrett, and then now they may look to a a Vaughn Miller. Should he be released? That sort of thing. So, um, I mean, teams are, are loading up on pass rushers, and in the division wherein the Bengals play, they will need to they 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 need to get after the passer. That's the bottom line. And Shaq Barrett is out there. Carl Lawson still is out there for them to potentially re-sign in some capacity. So. 
Um, hopefully one or both will be a priority for the Bengals this free agency period. It's been a little while since we've done a soundbite of the week. Usually this is a Zach Taylor quote after a postgame, pregame, that sort of thing, or it's a player or I don't know. We, we usually do that in season more often than not, John. But I found this fun tweet. It's from the I Am Athlete podcast, which is hosted by Chad Johnson, Brandon Marshall, Fred Taylor. Those are kind of the three main hosts. And then, of course, they usually bring in another you know famous football player or whatnot as a guest host. And those three are... Um, you know, I think they're all based in Florida and they all kind of hang out and, and talk football and whatnot. This was something I found it's on Twitter. You can find it there, but this was a cool video. It's not only, it's just a fun discussion with a lot of animated guys and a lot of personalities, which is really, really cool. But these are guys that played with and, or had direct connections to some of the players they are talking about. These guys are talking about some of the best college players that they've ever seen. And this is a really entertaining, um, really entertaining clip. So I'm going to play it for everybody here and hopefully you enjoy it. It's about two minutes and we can chat a little bit more after uh, before we get on out of here, but here it is. My time. The greatest collegiate football player ever is Peter Ward. Peter Ward, yes! No, that's, yes. My, that's my father. Yes. That's my father. If you go, no, no, you can't say it. Percy. Percy? Oh, come you on, check it out. Look, swear. You can't say swear that. No, 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 no. I love P. Dub. Listen, listen. I love P. Listen, Dub. he didn't let me get my five, I love P. Dub, bro. Percy, bro. Percy. Percy Harden? Nah, dog. Percy Harvin, no, literally, I, I like, I, natural football player. Yes. One of those guys that was just like, he had, you talking about dog, yeah. finesse, attitude, aura. Like, I know, I give you that, but P-Dub. Hey, and them runs. Who? Look at them Gator runs. Look at the Florida runs. We won, we won two in, in three years. I get that. Who was the superstar in those I runs? I get that, but you. you but I say this. I say this. If Percy wasn't there, there's no Tebow. You know, real man. Talk. And I say that. And, and I, he know that. I fight and for Tim all the real time. Talk. And anybody who's on that team knows if Percy's not there, yeah. there's no Tim Tebow. Real talk. Great, you say Tebow's Shout the greatest. You say Tebow's the greatest college player ever. You say P Dub. I say P Dub. Where's Chef at? Chef, Chef, somebody gotta break the tie. No, nah, no, nah, P Dub was a dog. Yeah, I seen was. him. He had a mean. Seen him. He had a mean uh, dead, dead leg. Dead leg. I mean, he hit him with the. I'm gonna go in there. Five. Did you play with him in Cincy? Yeah. What happened? Uh, memory tore his knee up. Oh, he, he, too hard, he tore his knee up. I mean, and that's what it was. But, but when he came in, was he still nice like that? Yeah. He wasn't. When I came, when I got drafted, he was still nice. Him and Ron Dugans. Him and Ron Dugans was there. P. Dub wasn't as explosive as Percy Harvin. I give you that. I give you that. I give you that. That don't mean nothing. Yeah, but that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing. Nah. Percy did. Percy returned kicks. Pound for pound, Percy returned kicks. With no practice. So did P. Dub. P. Dub returned kicks. Percy returned punts. P. Dub so returned P. punts. Dub. Percy played receiver. So P. P. Dub, Dub played receiver. Percy played running back. Running back. P. Dub didn't do that. He didn't have Percy to do played. that. So a lot of fun there. A lot of fun. Cam Newton, obviously the guest host on that one there, but a little two-minute clip talking about some Bengals of yesteryear, Ron Dugans, Peter Warwick, and obviously all of them gushing over, over Peter Warwick. And then, of course, Percy Harvin, entering the conversation and Cam Newton in his brief stint at Florida played with Percy Harvin, um, you know, Fred Taylor 
Florida guy, another guy that just is intimately familiar with with Percy Harvin and, of course, Peter Warwick, but a really fun conversation. Brandon Marshall's reaction was just the, the best when, when, they, when they bring up Peter Warwick's name. Uh, but fun clip, John. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a fun clip and worth sharing, especially with so much Bengals talk there. I think when you watch debate like that, even if, you, if you're not 100% confident in one side or the other, you, you have to look at who is arguing for who and, and how are they doing it. Like Chad, so matter of the fact, just stood out of the conversation. Peter, Peter Work, he's yep. the best. And like when everyone was arguing about Percy, like th- there wasn't any exaggeration or there wasn't any loud remarks from Chad. It was just Peter was the best. It, it doesn't matter. Like he, he, he like, like that, that, that's confidence. That, that's, that, that's not arrogance. That's, that's just matter of the fact. I, I know this is right. And I would trust Chad's opinion on that because he, like he said, he did play with him uh, in his first couple of years with, with Cincy. And like that was Peter work. I, I don't remember a lot about him because it was a little bit before, like when I really fully invested myself in, in football and the Bengals. But like, I mean, that that's, that's not an uncommon opinion. For, you know, like, like I grew up with Reggie Bush and how he tore up U- USC and whatnot. But like, I, you know, it, it was, it, it was a couple years early. And when, when work was just tearing it up in Florida state, like that was, that, that was legit hype for when he came into Cincinnati and, you know, it was a shame how he got the injury, but I mean, when, when you hear Chad say that and it's so matter of the fact, and it's just, there's no need to yell. There's no need to extenuate your point. Like he, he was simply unstoppable and he was probably the best that, that we've seen in a long time. It's, it, you know, it, the, the Heisman is dominated quite a bit by quarterback play because they put up the most numbers in, in, college football and whatnot, but there was a little bit of a run where non-quarterbacks were uh, – running backs get it often too, but, um, you know, there's a little bit of run where non-running backs, non-quarterbacks um, – and Devontae Smith got it this year, which was kind of cool, a little bit of a change with a wide receiver there. But Warwick was in the running for that because he was such an electric return man, because he was such an electric receiver. And I, I contend um, – you know, it was, it was a little bit of a shocker, I think, to a lot of people. I don't know if you remember this or not, John, but – Peter Work ran a pretty slow 40. Um, a lot of people thought, I think it was in the 4-6 range, and people were kind of shocked by that because smaller guy and just what you saw on film, his game speed was a little different than, than what you thought his straight line 4-6 clock speed was. I'd have to go back and look at the exact time, but I remember he ran a slower 40 than a lot of people thought. and Or 5-8. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, wow. I thought it was four four six range, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know... I. The, the thing with that I contend now is Peter Wark was a little bit of a victim of not only being on a bad team with a, a, initially a bad quarterback situation, but also, you know, as, as the game started to evolve and Marvin Lewis came in, you saw him do a lot of, uh, a lot of pro- productive work out of the slot. And with the evolution of the slot receiver position in recent years, I think just unfortunately he was a guy who played in an era where the slot receiver was not as heavily emphasized as it is now. And I think had he stayed healthy and maybe been drafted a few years later, he's a guy who could have had a really, really nice career as a return man and as a guy who's, who plays, plays the slot um, and, and, you know, could do a lot of stuff yards after the catch. I don't think that his NFL career would have ever lived up to the hype of his college career, um, regardless of where he went, but kind of like Reggie Bush. Right. So I just, but really cool clip. And obviously when you, when you hear a Bengals player talk about some other Bengals players had to share that one. No, just real quick though, because like, I would, I would trust your opinion on this more than me. Like if you just dropped in like the best of what pure work could, could have been 
and replaced it with Tyreek Hill, does the Chiefs' offense change at all? D- does it? Yeah. Well, they they lose the ele- a lot of elements that he brings if they don't have <laughs> if they don't have them right. Well, if, if they replace Pe- Tyreek Hill oh. with Peter Warwick. Well, Peter Warwick doesn't doesn't have the the the, the speed that Tyreek Hill does, but there's a lot of you know uh, there there are a lot of yards after catch similarities and stuff there. I think. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the Chiefs and kind of, a, they had a guy for a long time, Dante Hall. If you remember that name, he was a guy. Oh, right, right. And and there was a whole, you know, the, and when the Bengals upset the Chiefs back in 03 when they were undefeated, that was the whole. Everybody's talking about Dante Hall, and nobody was talking about Peter Warwick. And he was a guy that came out and um, he lit up the show that day with a lot of different returns and plays. And and you know, he was a guy that um, you know kind of could have had a lot of a career that resembled Dante Hall, who, who was one of the most electric players in, in the league for a couple of years there. And uh, Warwick, Warwick started to flourish a bit um, towards, towards the, what ended up becoming the end of his career. I think he tore his knee. It was either 03 or 04 with Marvin. He started to really kind of come into his own. And then, you know, that knee injury really put him back and uh, never was the same after that, unfortunately. Um, but I love when they talk about the dead leg, how he, you know, they, yeah. They stop. He'd stop and then keep going. So um, anyway, interesting stuff. And and go check out the I Am Athlete podcast by Chad Johnson and others. Good show there, John. Let's drop the mic and get out of here. What you got for us? So yeah, if you, as you guys just heard, uh, had had a phone call come in, uh, kind of alter things a little bit. But appreciate you guys sticking through the rest of the, of the program. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's March now. Um. I'm really prepared for this though. <laughs> well, but no, um, I, I, I think I guess going back to a, to a full year now, like the show really took off and really started generating a lot of, a lot of great buzz. We had a lot of great guests come on. Uh, I think this time last year, and that's also when obviously the world kind of went to shit, but you know, I just remember like, you know, the show kept growing in a positive direction, even though life itself was kind of turned on its head. So it's kind of interesting looking back on a year now and now looking forward, uh, you know, don't want to give anything away, but there's some some really intriguing opportunities that are kind of in the works at, at this moment. And it's just another I think it's we're in the midst of another promising offseason for like the team, but also this program in general. And it's, it's interesting to look back at a year from where we were at this time last year and, and where we were going at that point. And I wouldn't expect it to grow to, to for how much it has grown to to this point. And obviously, we have a new logo now. We've rebranded. And we keep pulling in great guests and stuff like that. But I think we're going to see some similar growth from what we saw last year. Just a little bit of a tease for stuff we have going on behind the scenes. But yeah, it's been it's been quite a year, you know, looking back from March 2020 to March 2021. Hard to follow that up, but I echo those sentiments. And I will just once again throw um, throw a little love to uh, at Dalton Signature. Go follow him on Twitter. If you're, if you are on Twitter, he does awesome stuff. He's the guy who developed our logos for us, which we really like. And then also he does a lot of cool stuff with, um, you know, Bengals wallpapers and all kinds of stuff. He's doing, I think a a countdown to, to the draft right now, um, with various players in there, you know, that wore specific jerseys that coincide with the amount of days left in the draft. So, 
great guy, does great work. And if you need some graphic design stuff, go hit him up because he uh, he does good work. But uh, appreciate appreciated everything. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon asks, so you guys started this a year ago? No, we started this years and years ago. Um, we've we've slowly been growing, growing, and it, I feel like last year, like to John's point, was a nice growth point of the show. Um, and we've been trying to do some different things since having a lot of different guests and whatnot. So, um, just trying to keep, keep up the content and keep, keep the quality high for everybody. Hopefully you notice that John, have a good rest of the week, man. You as well. All right. Take it easy, everybody.